Beloved, you will remain in me if I remain in you. The simplicity of your promises ring like a clock, constantly reminding of the hour. So you remind me of your love. It twists into my being. Your love fulfills my purpose, pours into the jar of my soul that has been a well run dry for some time. If you are the vine, I am the branch. If I choose you, I choose love. If I choose you, I choose life. Apart from you, I am nothing. I choose life. Grab your Bibles if you have them. Open up to John 15. We're going to be in John 15 today. Here in a minute, we're going to be in John 13 as we continue a series called Abide. We're talking about how do we abide in Jesus Christ? How do we abide in Him? And uh, I want to dive into that. Next week, Pastor Jim LaFoon will be with us. Excited about that. Then here in a couple weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to talk about what are some practical expressions of how we can abide in God's Word and His presence daily. We're going to talk about that here in two weeks from today. So today, I want to talk about abiding in Christ from John 15. Jesus, at this moment in John 15, He's talking to His disciples. He's talking to the, the, the key guys around Him, and He's connecting with them, and they had just come out of the upper room. They're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus tells them, I'm the true vine and you're the branch. I'm the true vine and you're the branch. And God the Father is the vine dresser. And he says, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit. Now we know in the Bible, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And he says, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, then you're going to bear that kind of fruit. Peace and joy and love and patience and faithfulness and all these things, they can be yours if you abide in me. But if you don't abide in me, apart from me, Jesus says, and he tells his disciples this, you can do nothing. Everyone say nothing. Apart from me, you're like a branch cut off. You can do nothing, Jesus says. And then Jesus goes on to say, the Father is glorified. God is glorified when you begin to bear fruit. When love and joy and peace and faithfulness comes out of your life, God gets glory. And so he says, as, as, as God the Father has loved me, Jesus says, I have loved you. So remain in my love or abide in my love. As you abide in Christ, abide in Christ's love. And the key to abiding is the big, massive word in the Bible we talked about last week, if. Everyone say if. If you obey my commandments, if you obey my commandments, Jesus said, then you will abide in my love. Obedience is the key that unlocks this idea of abiding in Christ. There's something about it. And Jesus says, you don't just, abide, you don't just obey because you have to. You obey because I love you and I've proven my love to you. And then he goes on, Jesus says, to say that I tell you all of this that your joy may be full. And your joy may be complete, that the joy that I have, Jesus says, I'm going to give you. And the joy that you have may be full or may be complete. Not just joy in eternal life or one day when you get to heaven, but joy right here on earth. Now, that sets us up to what Jesus says in uh, John 15, starting verse 12. So he continues this conversation. This is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his what? Friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now, here, Jesus is restating something he said just a chapter or so before. When he and the guys were in the upper room, they were eating dinner and drinking wine, and they were uh, talking about what was to come. And Jesus was having what we know as the Last Supper with them. He made this statement in John 13, just a couple chapters from where we were. John 13, 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So here, just a few minutes or hours, whatever the time frame, Jesus is restating what he said when they were in the upper room sitting around a table. Hey, I'm commanding you, you guys need to love one another. And the whole world is going to know you're followers of me. They're going to know you're Christians. They're going to know you're disciples because of your love for one another. This is a, and then just on the way to the garden, he says it again. This is my commandment. But remember, John 15 is in the context of those who obey my commands abide in my love, abide in me. So here's what we have. We have Jesus saying, one of my most important commands, let me tell you, what I am commanding you to do, one of my teachings is to love one another. And it kind of summarizes everything Jesus taught. Most of what Jesus taught could be summarized in this idea of loving one another. Matter of fact, in Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What does he say? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, love God, love people. He summarized the whole Ten Commandments. The first part of the Ten Commandments have to do with loving God. Don't have any idols before me. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's about loving God. The second half of the commandments, about not coveting one's neighbor. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie, don't steal. It's about relationships with others. Jesus sums it up in this simple, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. This was, this was something he was reiterating in his teachings over and over. Love God and love people. And he says, you want to know what I've commanded you? Love people. So forgiveness and how to deal with conflict and uh, mercy and grace and all of these things, avoiding sexual immorality, all these things Jesus taught about could be summed up in loving people. Now, it's the way Jesus defines love, not the way the world defines love, as we'll talk about here in a moment. Loving one another as Jesus commanded is a way to abide in him. And abiding in him is necessary to love people the way he's called us to. Jesus knew. Here's what he knew. He was talking to a group of guys that were about to experience some crazy stuff. In a matter of hours, that he was about to be arrested in the garden. He was going to be tried and crucified. All of them would split. All of them would leave him and abandon him in some form or fashion. I mean, women and men, all the disciples, they were all going to, they were going to bolt and things were going to get a little crazy and he was going to die on that cross. And then three days later, they, they were gathered back up and here Jesus appears to him. He's risen again. Jesus knew the mission that he was going to call them to. He knew the purpose and the path for these disciples' lives. He knew the strain of ministry and life would be difficult. He knew that the relational fabric, listen to this, the relational fabric of unity would be tested. When he was looking at those 11 faces, he knew that it would be tested. 
whether they really loved one another, would they walk together, would they care about one another. He knew that they couldn't do what he'd called them to do alone. And I would guess neither would they want to. And I'm just going to say to you and I here today that for you to do what God's called you to do, you won't be able to do it alone. If you want to do and be a part of the mission of God, it's going to be more than just you. He's calling you to do it with others. It's just, it's just true. And I would venture to say you don't want to do it alone. The things that God's called you as students to do on your campus, you don't want to do alone. Man, there's something about having other brothers and sisters with you when you're going out to be lights in dark places on the campus. When you're going out into the workplace or you're going out into your neighborhood and God's called you to make disciples. He's called you to be a light in dark places. He's called you to love people. Man, I'm just telling you, you can't really do it alone. You can't change your culture alone. You can't change the community alone. He's kind of, we've grown up in this kind of American society and especially here in West Texas where everything's kind of become very individualistic. You know, our relationship with God is our relationship and my faith is my own business and it's no one else's business. It's a very personal thing, but we really don't see that modeled very much in scripture. What we see modeled in scripture is Jesus grabbing groups of guys and groups of women, bringing them together. Do they lose their individuality or their identity? No, they don't lose that. They don't lose that. That doesn't go away. But they're called to mission together. Everyone say together. And Jesus is telling these guys, he's looking at them, he knows it's going to be tested. And he says, you guys got to love one another. You got to love one another. There's something about loving one another that produces fruit in us that would not or could not be produced any other way. There's something about loving one another that produces fruit in us that loving God does not produce. You, you can love God all day long. You can worship him all day long. You can pray all day long. You can find a closet and read about him all day long. But there's something you're not going to get. There's going to be a, a fruit that is not going to be produced out of you that can be produced when you're around a bunch of people who are not like you. A bunch of people who whine. A bunch of people who have problems. Do you know anyone with problems? Don't elbow anyone right now, but just raise your hand. Do you know anybody with problems? Man, they got issues and problems. And they come talk to you, I got problems. They got issues, they got things, and people are messy. You guys are messy. I see like Christian bloggers on Christian bloggers, that type of things like, I love God, but I don't love the church. Woo. No, I don't think God really likes that. It'd be like me saying, hey, I like you, but don't bring your wife over for the Super Bowl party. <laughs> She's so weird, you know what I mean? She always gets queso, and it's weird. She talks all the time. She's weird. Just God, you come. That's what we say. God, I love you, but I don't love your bride. Listen, God loves his bride so much, he gave his son for her. And as imperfect as she is, one day, he's preparing her one day for this moment where we will look like Christ. And we're in that process. And see, that's why some, even people, it's sad, but even people that have been in church a long time, they don't really engage with people. They just kind of come into church and kind of go. 
I kind of come in, I'm going to worship, and I'm going to leave, and I'm trying not to make contact with it, eye contact with anybody. I'm going to try to come in and get some stuff and then go and, you know, and just get fed. And I want to get, whoo, the tingles when Lane hits that moment, whoo, you know. <laughs> I want to come and I want to, because I love God. But listen to me, church. Relationships are the lab where Jesus' teaching comes alive. Relationships are the lab where he, what, he, what he talks about really comes to real life. I mean, you can read a book all day and all this stuff, but it, you want to know about how to forgive someone? Deal with somebody who always is offensive. <laughs> you know who you are. You say offensive things a lot. You don't care who you say them to. You just are offensive. And you know what? God tells me to love you despite your little offensive mouth. <laughs> Isn't this true? God calls us to love one another. And it's in the context of relationship. If it was just me and God, we'd be fine. Worship, I'd just deal with my own sin, none of y'all's. No, no, no. God's called us to love one another because that's where his teachings get to be fleshed out in your friendships, in your relationships, in your family. It's huge. Jesus' command here to these guys, listen, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. He's telling them, you guys love one another. I'm telling you. Now, when Jesus commands, you need to know you have a choice, even though he's commanded it, if you love one another. So you can choose not to, but he said, if you love one another, he's telling us, you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to be intentional about loving one another, because our natural tendency is to run when there's disagreement. Isn't that true? Disagreement comes, boom, I'm out. I'm going to find a different friend, a different church, a different family. See you later. Our natural tendency is to pull away when there's conflict. Conflict comes, ah, I'm going to pull away. Conflict comes, issues come up. Our tendency naturally is to get angry and justify ourselves when there's offense that happens. But the biblical love says love forgives. Biblical love says love perseveres. You know what that means? It means staying longer than you really want to. I don't want to persevere in this relationship. I don't want to persevere in this marriage. I don't want to persevere with this group of friends. I don't want to, pers I don't want to stay any longer because I feel a certain way. Love says I'm going to stay longer than I feel like it. Love says I'm going to hope. Love believes all things. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love speaks the truth. This is true. 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. How many know some folks are harder to love than others? Don't look at your neighbor right now. Stay, stay right here with me. <laughs> some people are harder to love than others. John 13, 35, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You're going to know. You know how, how the world knows that you're followers of Jesus? Because how we treat one another, how we walk with one another. Fruit bearing proves that we are his disciples, John 15, 8. So here's a question. If we can share the same grace and share the same missions, yet we cannot share the same room with other believers, what does it say about us and our God? If we, we, we receive his forgiveness and his grace, we, we, we are on mission with God together. If we can't share the same room with one another and love one another, what does that look like? So Jesus says, 
Here's my command, love one another. How do we do that? How do we love them? The key is found here in verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. Here's what he says, as I have what? As I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus shows us how to love one another. Three ways he shows us if you're taking notes. Number one, he showed the disciples that he loved them. Number one, by serving them. Number two, by sacrificing himself for them. Number three, by befriending them. He served them. He sacrificed. He befriended. I'm sure there's more that we could share. These are the ones we have time for today. Number one, he served them. Just a few chapters before in John 13, when they're sitting in the upper room, we see an act of Jesus. Jesus, verse 3 of John 13. It's not up on the screen. Just listen to this. Jesus, knowing the Father, had given them all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, was not going back to God, rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. In a moment where any of them could have jumped up and washed everyone's feet, Jesus was the one to do it. You know, ironically, while he's doing this, they're talking about which one of them's the greatest. Who's going to be the Jesus' best man? Who's going to be the guy next to Jesus, his right-hand guy? Who's going to be with him? And Jesus gets up and he serves them and he declares to them, I have come not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled for them, not just in that moment, but throughout his life, serving, meeting their needs, putting their needs ahead of his. He did it, did it all the time. Jesus loved them through serving them, and he's called you to love others in the same way. He's called you to love through serving others. Through serving others and meeting their needs ahead of yours. Man, that's not easy to do. Because I kind of like my needs being met. Come on, somebody. If we're going to be honest, I kind of like my needs being met. I'd rather, my needs should, you know, be more important than, than your needs. That's what the flesh says. Jesus says, no, no, no. As I've modeled for you, serve one another. One of the greatest ways to communicate love is by serving. Serving others. Putting others ahead of yourself. He didn't just serve, he also sacrificed. Everyone say sacrificed. He sacrificed himself. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his what? His friends. Jesus, he knew the cross was coming. And so I just can't imagine when Jesus says these words, what's going through his mind. The coming hours, the trial, the arrest, the beating that would come, the suffering. Did, did Jesus have tears in his eyes when he said, man, greater love has no man than this. I mean, lay down his life for his friends. True love has some aspect of sacrifice. If you claim to love someone but it doesn't cost you anything, it's not really love. The world wants to tell us there's a costless love that love doesn't really cost anything. It's an emotion or something you just feel. But here Jesus models something totally different. He says, and true love is when someone lays down his life for his friend. Now, there's going to be moments in your life if you really love someone 
whether it's your friend or your brothers and sisters in Christ or your family, that there's going to be a sacrifice required, a laying down of what you want, a laying down of your desires. I remember when I was in college, man, I had a, I had a pastor who started to spend time with me. He got up at six in the morning to spend time with me and my knucklehead roommates. And he had a family. I didn't really understand the sacrifice as much then as I do today. As I understand, he had a family, and he had a job, and he had a real life, and he had a lot going on. And yet, every week without fail, he was there. There was times as a college student, I didn't show up like I slept in, had a late night, whatever. No, no, no. He was there. He was faithful. He sacrificed. Why? Because he wanted to show God's love to me, and it mattered to him that I abide in Jesus Christ. It mattered to him that I'm connected to Jesus. And my connection to Jesus mattered so much to him that he sacrificed of himself. Who are you sacrificing for? Who are you giving of yourself to make sure they're connected to Jesus? Who, who, who are you, who do you love so much that you say, I'm going to lay down my sleep. I'm going to lay down my preference. I'm going to lay down what I'd like to do right now, but I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to sacrifice. Many of you that participated in Catalyst this weekend, that's what your leaders did for you. They had other things going this weekend. Your host homes, they, they weren't like, man, I just would love 20 kids to come invade my home and break everything. I got time, you know, that'd be awesome. You know what? They decided it was worth the inconvenience and the sacrifice to make sure you are connected to Jesus. There's a sacrifice. There's a sacrifice involved. And Jesus so beautifully modeled that sacrifice. And, and Jesus with this, he doesn't, didn't just sacrifice. He didn't just serve them. Number three, he befriended them. Verse 13 through 15. 13 through 15 says this. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. If you are my friends, you are my friends if you do what I commanded you. No longer do I call you servant, for the servant does not know his, what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. This is amazing. This is the first moment that Jesus calls these guys friends. As a matter of fact, when you look throughout the Bible, there's only two other times where the word with God, 